This is Better Ideas and I'm Peter Cahoon and this week we are sketching and painting our way through the art world. More specifically, buying an original piece of art for the home. Now if you think about it, it's the first way man really started interior decorating, painting the walls of caves. We're going to take it a step further. Doesn't matter whether you've got $50 to spend or $5,000, investing in a piece of art can really transform things. Certainly in interior, even if you don't have an appreciation of art, maybe this discussion will open your eyes, so to speak, of the benefits making a mark with a piece of art. Now, the first thing you need to know about art is you don't need to know anything about art. You just have to have an emotional connection. To explain more, I'm with artist Marissa Purcell and Olsen gallery owner Tim Olsen. Now, Tim has been in the art world literally all his life. His father is perhaps arguably Australia's greatest living artist, John Olsen. And, well, someone like Tim... He's grown up with all of Australia's leading artists. Tim, welcome. You must deal with all sorts of people investing in art. I don't want to be an art snob. I want to come in and learn about art. Yeah, well, look, art to me is the thinking side of the brain getting in touch with the feeling side of the brain. Mm, Nice. You know? Yeah, you've grown up surrounded by art. Your father, of course, is is still one of Australia's national living treasures, John Olsen. yeah. Living and surrounded by art your entire life. I mean, you yeah. were immersed in it. What does it mean to you? It's more than just a business, isn't it? Well, to, to me, um, you know, as my father says, you know, um, you know, he's ninety-one now and still paints every day. And he, he goes shopping, and people stop him and say, "You know, you're still painting." And he says, "Well, what else is breathing? What do you expect me to be doing? Walking around a golf course?" But you know, art in our family was always very much part of really um, living in a way t- to do with a kind of aspect of truth, you know, that, that being an artist was dealing about things, making life, you know, d- life interesting. You know, we lived in Spain, we lived in France. It's about the experience of things mm. and that you ultimately want to hang in your house or live with that are like old record albums, you mm. know, that take you to a certain time in your life when you felt this or you saw this. And that's why people buy art and if you buy well the hardest thing to ever do is sell it but it's the experience of art that people you know really enjoy you mentioned the travel as a young as a youngster i mean i think you, you had 10 schools by the time you were eight and you're you were surrounded by a whole lot of highly influential australian artists i mean mm. whitely nolan I and mean, the, the list yeah. goes on uh, is it intimidating sometimes when you're surrounded by genius well i saw a lot of drunk genius <laughs> But, but um, you look, you know, as a little kid, I was under the table, you know, whilst I was sitting around in a, a table full of the, the kings and queens of Australian art. And um, I didn't know what the conversation was. I, I got the smell of what a real artist is. You learn, you know, there's a lot of rubbish in lots of areas of life, whatever field you're talking about. And I think the greatest gift I was given by meeting people like that is I learned what's real, what a real artist is. And it goes beyond critics, it goes beyond academics it goes beyond talk it's about being able to see and feel things that have a you know an authenticity about them that leads us beautifully into someone who wants to maybe buy a piece of art authenticity having a an emotional response mm. to art how do you guide people through this process in, in choosing a, a good well, piece of art you know it's all very well to tell people to go and buy this name or that name but I really p- believe that if you're going to live with something, you have to have a feeling for it. I think why I'm good at my job is I keep art simple. 
You know, I don't like people who actually intellectualise art too much. I think um, art's about real experience. And let's just talk about real colour. What colours do you like? Not only did I do a degree in, in um, fine arts and art history, I did a degree in psychology. And um, and I went and taught at Sydney Boys Grammar. And, and when the boys were saying, uh, sir, what colour do I use with this colour? And I said, well, just think of a fruit bowl. What goes next to the orange? Is it a green apple or is it a, or is it a you know, mm. a ripe grape, a burgundy red grape? Suddenly they had an aesthetic, mm. you know, and we all have our own aesthetic just to trust it and sense with what you enjoy to live with on a visual basis is really important. But the thing is, there are sort of t- different tiers of galleries. There are young, there are some great young people who have galleries with great young artists who are going somewhere. And um, it's not about having to spend tens of thousands of dollars. You can get a great painting for, you know, even under a thousand dollars if it's a young promising artist. The thing is, is to find something you relate to. Mm. You know, something that's got color, something that's got substance, something that you feel is with the right kind. You know, you're with the right kind of people who, you know, the, the gallery has to be as authentic as the artist. Ultimately, you know, you can spend forty thousand dollars on Italian furniture, and then what? You're going to go and spend five hundred dollars on a painting? I mean, it doesn't make sense. Get good advice and trust your instincts. What I love about my job is to see how people have changed through art. They buy one painting and suddenly a whole new world opens up to them. Mm. You know, it's like seeing a politician dancing, you know, amongst an African tribe. <laughs> suddenly they've discovered something about themselves they didn't realise, you know. <laughs> and maybe we wish they hadn't. <laughs> we wish they hadn't. Um, but that's the same thing. I've met so many people who'd never bought a painting before and they've bought one and suddenly they're dancing. Well, you touched on something. It's like almost like if people look at it, it's starting a wine collection, I suppose. I mean, yeah. we could parallel. Where might one start? Because I know you're a bit believer in works on paper and of course mm. I think it was you you said my father's frogs put me through school and they were basically well, nothing else was selling <laughs> that's right <laughs> so John did a series of, of frogs in, in acrylic and in, in crayon and, and chalk and stuff they're works on paper and they can be very very valuable and very very enjoyable well it's incredible you know what they what they're getting now he went up to northern Queensland and worked in Kakadu with with a film crew actually many years ago with on a series called Wild Australia and he drew a frog and Suddenly he just struck a note, you know, and he just loved doing them. And, and I think we assimilate ourselves with animals sometimes as they expressing a certain part of what are human, of human characteristics. Mm-hmm. And the frog somehow reminds of something of ourselves, whether it's through the idea of their arms and legs being, you know, yeah. it, there's something, frogs are like parodies of human beings. We're talking about John Olson and the beautiful frog series, very simple. Yeah. They put a smile on your face and it makes you feel happy they and do. I suppose that's one of the the litmuses if you're looking at a piece of art whether it be a big work on canvas or or a simple work on paper and that's the point I'm perhaps trying to make is simple works on paper can be just mm. as important exactly exactly works on paper particularly when using gouache which is a lovely French watercolor you know it's very opaque and there are qualities in, in works on paper that you can't achieve on canvas and what happens is work on paper. You often make mistakes, which end up being the best things that happen. When the watercolour runs or, you know, when you strike a, a note which somehow, it, it comes from your subconscious, not yeah. from your conscious. And that is, that's what creates magic sometimes. And works on paper, they're not full of ego. You know, it's not the artist trying to make a statement. It's the, art, it's the artist doing something um, in a way which is selfless, mm. not trying to be grandiose and sell it to a museum. They're doing something out of the love of just doing it. A beautiful sketch, a beautiful, simple yeah. sketch, actually yeah. getting a real insight. 
Absolutely. into the artist. Yeah, it's the artist working from the soul. Yeah. yeah. So we're talking about what works on paper, which I'd imagine are generally a, a good entry point to get, you might even get Absolutely. a note. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you can get a frog etching still for under five grand, investment or otherwise, you know. There are big name artists that you can still get relatively cheaply, mm. you know. But again, it gets back to you relating to it and, having, and liking it. What about prints? I'm trying to get people aware of where they can enter into the art market. Yeah. There might be a big grand painting, but it could be a simple work on paper, perhaps a limited edition print. Can we just step through some yeah. of those? Well, the important thing is that with, with prints, I was always a great believer in lithography and etching being, I mean, they are the, prime, the, the premier forms of printmaking. But a lot of people now are making giclés, which are kind of like colour reproductions. You know, they're a great entry level for people as long as the editions are kept very small and they're using proper French arch paper and they're using archival inks and the artist has actually signed them. I'm still a bit touch and go about that sort of thing, but so many people love them, they buy them, and they've got something that the artist has actually kissed in a sense. Because they've signed it, it's blessed. Mm. But small editions is, you know, never buy anything that's over two, you know, I, I would. I personally don't make prints larger than say, 70, 70 prints in the edition. When it gets over two hundred, you're getting something which you know really is a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. It's about everything about art when it comes to in longevity is about rarity. You mentioned authenticity. What about due provenance? Is this a problem in Australian art? I mean, that's what your job is, to protect a potential buyer, to yeah. make sure you are buying an authentic piece. Absolutely. And and this is where, I mean, provenance is everything these days. And that's why when, say, a, an estate comes up at auction, when a, a, a certain celebrity or whoever, it has a kind of provenance, which means that obviously it's real, it's been bought, it's, it's part of a history. You know, provenance is the big thing of the future. And, uh, and that's why going to reputable galleries. Unfortunately, we've had a few court cases recently with Brett Whiteley where the court has basically said, you know, buyer beware. Mm. You know, it's up to the buyer to do the due diligence. And I think that's really wrong. I think anyone who's, who's put themselves in a position to sell goods by an artist, they have the responsibility to make sure it's authentic before they sell it to somebody else. And quite frankly... That's why I like dealing with living artists because it. <laughs> <laughs> you can go and ask them. You can go and ask them. Yeah. Talk, talk about having a living artist. You, yeah. we, we have one in the studio, one of your stable here, Marissa Purcell. Absolutely. No, she, I'm so proud of Marissa. You obviously represent a, a yeah. broad range of, of, of upcoming Australian artists as well as established artists. And, and Marissa, yeah. you've just uh, come back from a show in, in New York. Oh, I have. Huh? That Tim's must have been gallery. exciting. Mm. It was wonderful. It was my first exhibition in New York and it was a beautiful opportunity to show my work with such a receptive audience. The people there really responded in a way that I'm not used to. So it was Mm. very positive. How would you describe your work? Because, I mean, some people, there's all sorts of arts. There's traditional art, there's landscapes, there's portraiture, there's there's abstract art, Mm -hmm. there's interpretive art. There's all all sorts of arrangements. Everything's valid. You're in the abstract sphere Is that a difficult sphere to be working with? Well, I I do think it can be difficult because a lot of people want to look at a piece of art and see something they can recognise in it. But actually you'd be surprised how many people can just stand in front of a work and exactly like what Tim said, feel something. And I think abstraction is very liberating because it allows people to let go of their mind and to try and describe something, oh, that reminds me of this, or that reminds me of that landscape, or they're liberated from that when they're looking at my work. And the colours and the layers of the 
translucent or transparent colours will help them just to connect. And I find it becomes something outside of the heady experience that our day-to-day life tends to emphasise. Now, I'm really enjoying this chat with Tim and Marissa about art, and I've got a confession to make. I mean, I rarely travel anywhere without a sketchbook. A lot of architects do, and we just sort of jot down ideas or make a quick sketch of an idea or concept. Dabbling in painting is it's just a great escape, really. It's a creative output, pretty cheap. You can do it on your own. But another way to get great inspiration is, of course, watch Better Homes and Gardens every Friday night at 7 on 7. And subscribe to the podcast and let your friends know about better ideas. Now, little heads up, later in this interview, I throw Tim a little curveball by showing him a picture, one of mine, but I don't let him know who it is, and I get a free art appraisal. Now, to, to have a look at the picture, though, you can have download the Acast app and you can see the picture that I present to, to Tim. See what you think. Remember, if you're listening to Better Ideas through the Acast app, you get to look at all the photos and all the pictures that we're talking about, as well as listen. We're talking art and, and buying perhaps a piece of art with, with Tim Olson, one of Australia's leading gallery owners, and Marissa Purcell, an Australian abstract artist, just had a, a show in, in New York. Give us a, a little insight into the day of a, of a working artist, because it's it's certainly not a glamorous lifestyle. It's not glamorous. <laughs> you're juggling a family. You're, yes. you're trying to pay rent on studios. Yes. I mean, just give us an insight into. We see the beautiful finished work on a on a gallery yes. wall. Yes. Let's just backtrack. People a bit do more. tend to think that our life is quite glamorous, but in actual fact, it's a we work very very hard. Like anyone at the at the field that they're passionate about, they work very long hours. And it's usually 24-7 because as an artist, you don't necessarily put the brushes down and stop thinking about your work. It tends to permeate everything. Even when I'm cooking dinner for the kids, I will be thinking about what happened in the studio that day and preparing for what will happen the next day. I, I go to the studio five days a week. And when a show is coming up, which I have a show coming up, I usually work on the weekends as well or at night. So it doesn't tend to end. My day is I still go to work every day like everybody else, but it just tends to permeate everything. You're using a range of different colours, techniques, paints, canvases, papers, all sorts of things. It's perhaps a crude question when going to ask it. How much money in materials goes into an average piece of artwork where people probably don't even realise? It's an extraordinary amount because I, and like many other artists that I know, my peers, we tend to value the longevity of what we're doing. We also are very attracted to materials. We're like, it's a really crude thing to say very well back to you, but my art dealers are like my dealers. They are, I go in there, I lay down my credit card and where everywhere else in my life I might think about what I spend in the art shop. It's like, give me that French, beautiful, Series 7, Some Cobalt Blue. Something are you know. <laughs> <laughs> She keeps all the receipts. She makes sure she does. Some of the tubes of paint that I might buy, like a beautiful Dutch oil paint, can be $100 yeah. for a tube of blue. And or a beautiful cadmium red or and I'm attracted to these colors. I want the color is the mainstay of what I do. And so the materials that I use range from Belgian linen or Italian linen to super heavy wooden stretcher bars that get stretched over. I can't even begin to tell you how one big painting for me before I even start painting on it. 
because it's beautiful linen mm. would probably be about $600 before I even put paint on it. Mm. So it's a lot of money. Yeah, and then, and then you've got your brushes and, and, oh, and the paint yeah, and stuff. So it's the materials before you even make an artistic gesture on the, on the canvas. Ridiculous, yeah, yes. Yeah. And then, of course, it's, it's weeks, sometimes months of yes. work mm. to, yes. to finish it off. Yeah. yeah. The thing about Marissa's work is, you know, there are a lot of talented people out there, but, uh, but very few of them know about quality. Mm. And you can, it's like anything. You can tell quality whether you're building, when you're building something, you know the quality of materials. It's the same when an artist makes something. Mm. And I think one of the reasons why Marissa's work has got such a lovely depth to it and a, it's, it's sexy and it's got wow factors because she's really used the best materials to get the best out of her marks and, and her skills. You can mm. really tell mm. an inferior red to the best red. How do you pick an artist? It's kind of, um, I suppose it's a bit like having an epiphany. You know, it's, it's, you just sometimes people show you something and you just go, wow. Can oh, I interrupt? Can yeah. I interrupt? Mm. I'll, I'll say on Tim's behalf that Tim has an incredible eye, but that's almost the wrong term. He has an incredible feel. He, without even trying to go Thank through... Thank you, too much. <laughs> but, no, but he really... I mean, we all say that. Everyone I know who is represented by Tim, he just can feel it. It's like what he said as a little boy watching all the artists coming in and out he can sense what's real mm. he can sense when an artist is making because they need to make rather than because oh that's a nice thing to do he's mm. got a really good barometer i bought marissa's work well before i ever represented her she was showing in another gallery before. years before and i just i thought this girl's got something you know she's she's sort of kind of got a connection with something up there and i just kept watching her and you know and she went to different places, exhibited with different people. And I just knew when she did the work and the right work and we were ready to pounce. Mm -hmm. You know, and we've been friends for a long time. You know, her husband and I are great friends. We, we, it's like a family to me. Mm. We grow together. You know, I'm a different person to when I first started representing her to who I am now. And so really it's, it really is opening your eyes all the time and seeing how your artists develop as people. If you're listening on the ACAST app, you'll be able to check out some of Marissa's work and indeed some of the, the other artists that, uh, that are represented by the Olsen Gallery. Tell me if you feel anything when you, when you look at this picture, this painting. Um, well, it's an Angofra. <laughs> um, why are you asking me? I'm just, I, I'm just interested it's, in that. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's, got, it's got lovely... Lovely veil about it. It's 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 you know it's Australian bush, which is what we um, relate to strongly as Australians. But yeah, I like it. There you go. The, what do you think, Maurice? The first thing I'm attracted to is the beautiful violety, purpley blue that I can't it's even a bit put like a, a Monet, name on. Isn't it it, it is a bit like a Monet. There you go. It yeah. is. It's yeah. that. It reminds me of almost that early Grace Cossington Smith Australian oh, beautiful. artist. There you go. All right, that's, that's one of my jacaranda trees. Oh, so when are we booking a show? Careful <laughs> <laughs> what you wish for. <laughs> there you no, go. Um, no, it's, it's lovely. It's yeah. lovely. I don't think there could be any higher calling than to, to, to follow your passion. I agree. Uh, I want to finish off with you. It takes, a, it takes a lot of courage to be an artist. What's the art mm. market like at the moment? 
Tim? Should people be um, sort of racing out there? What do you think? Well, it's it's very healthy because um, as I, as I think we were talking about before, is that, you know architecture is crying out for art like never before. We've got through federation we've, and we've got a return to modernism in, in contemporary architecture. So there's a lot of glass, a lot of light, but then there's a statement wall. So there are people who understand that you need a great painting for that wall. So the art market is constant and you and if you're a good gallery that provides good talented artists within a good price range, you know, you, you've got a good business. Let's just finish off with a couple of tips from Tim in terms of demystifying the art world. If they're to walk into a gallery, what should they be asking? What should they be looking for to buy a, a really good purchase? What would you be advising? I'd be asking basically about, you know, which artists have been with you the longest. Can I look at your website, go through which different artists you represent? From there, find an artist you like and then go through their work and see what you relate to. And if there happens to be one in the gallery you like or if it's a current exhibition, there it is for you. And the entry point doesn't necessarily have to be thousands of dollars. No, it's what you relate to. Finally, how is your old man? How is he? He's 91, I believe, now, and he's still painting. He's 91. He's just got back from France. Um, he was in the south of France, uh, drinking lots of rosé. <laughs> um, but he went to Cezanne's, the great French artist Cezanne's studio in uh, Provence, and he's come back invigorated, and he said, Tim, I'm, I'm going to give Australian Landscape a rest. I'm going to give you a little show next year of things to do with interiors and the love of objects, and also the love of seeing paintings by artists like Bonnard, who was famous for his nudes in the bath. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love yeah. him too. Yeah. So he's 91 and he, he still says, I haven't done my best drawing yet. Wow. <laughs> Some more frogs. <laughs> more frogs. <laughs> yeah. Guys, it's been yeah. an absolute pleasure to immerse ourselves in the beauty of Australian art. And thanks, Marissa, for the inspiration. Hey, listen, if you're thinking about look, decorating, you'd have to think about now looking at some, some beautiful art and at least just look, checking out what's available in some reputable galleries. I hope we've given you some inspiration. Now, if ever you're in Sydney, make sure you pop in and see Tim Olsen at the Olsen Gallery in Pannington. And look, never, ever be intimidated to walk into a gallery and just have a, have a chat about about the art on the walls. Usually gallery owners are very, very happy and very, very proud of their artists and explain art at a level that perhaps you, you never really appreciated. But remember the, the, the one thing, if you have an emotional connection to a piece of art, might be a good one, might be a bad one, an emotional connection, it's, it's working. Art is there to make you think and make you feel. And in terms of art in the home, on a wall, a great piece of art becomes not only a great focal point, but a conversation starter, a talking point as well. Next week, I'm reversing the conversation to reverse garbage, talking to Kirsten Juna from Reverse Garbage. This is where we're reducing, reusing and recycling, well, rubbish and throwaways in artistic ways. And I'm also talking to Adam Woodhams, who hosts our sister podcast series, Gardening Better. Worth having a listen to that in itself. But Adam's coming in. He's talking about sustainability from a historic perspective and what we can learn from past generations. Hey, I really enjoyed today's chat on art. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends all about the Better Ideas podcast series. My producer is Loretta Farrell, executive producer, Nikki Hamilton, and I'm your host, Pete Calhoun. <laughs>